This is Werewolf the Podcast. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please. Help. They're coming. <laughs> Peter followed the scent to the edge of the campsite, then hesitated. What if Step Slightly really was just taking a bathroom break? He wouldn't appreciate the interruption. He was also downwind of the campsite, so Peter couldn't smell for him on the breeze. Still, he stuck his nose through the bushes at the edge of the camp. Step Slightly scent, and another scent slightly stronger, as if someone had been standing in the bushes for several minutes, the scent of another Garu. The two scents mingled, then faded into the shadows. Peter glanced backward toward the rest of the pack. They all seemed to be sleeping. Stealthily, he crept after steps lightly and the unknown Garu, although he already had a fairly good idea of who the second Garu was. The only question was, what would Thunder Tiger be doing here? Glasswalkers could be as silent and furtive in the wilderness as any other Garu. Peter found Steps Lightly and Thunder Tiger together behind a gigantic tree not far away. They were in hummed form. There was no doubt that the silver Garu was Thunder Tiger. His gray hair was distinctive, and he wore the faded fatigue pants of the Ghost Raptors. Peter couldn't see the tattoo over his eye, however. He couldn't see much of his face at all. The Glasswalker froze in shocked surprise. Thunder Tiger and Steps Lightly were kissing, strongly and passionately, chest to chest, holding each other close. From Breathe Deeply, a rage novel, by Don Basingthwaite. Hello folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I'm Josh Heath. I am your host. Today we're going to be reviewing Rage Across the Amazon. But before we jump into the review of Rage Across the Amazon, I'd like to discuss the method 
of how and why I'm reviewing certain books in the order that I'm reviewing them. So today I'm reviewing Rage Across the Amazon. The last book we reviewed was Dark Lions Vancouver. I'm going by the list of Werewolf the Apocalypse books on the wiki. So this is the Wikipedia listing, and then I'm sorting them by publication date. From publication date, I'm then sorting by product number. So Rage Across the Amazon is WW3104, and it was published in 1993, which is why I am recording in this particular order. I mention that because there are elements of this book that reference the Werewolf Player's Guide, which is going to be a book we're going to be reviewing four or five-ish books from now. So uh, if this seems out of order because you're familiar with the order that these books were published in, this is why. And there are references in Rage Across the Amazon about elements that were present in the Werewolf Player's Guide. So either these books were developed concurrently or they were published in an opposite order, order of the way that I'm reviewing them. If you have any concerns about that, please let me know, but also know that I'm reviewing these, like I said, based on the method I'm doing them, and I'm going to be going through that list, date of publication, product number as a way of helping figure out exactly what order I'm going to be reviewing these books in. If you have any questions about that, let me know. I just wanted to tell everybody that that was the major thought process that I was going through. So Rage Across the Amazon was published in 1993, and like most of the early books, it starts off with a story. Actually, this is an idea that you're going to see present all of White Wolf books, pretty much, is that story starts and then you dive into the material about the book. So, by the numbers, this book was written by Jay Morrison, William Spencer Hale, and Bill Bridges, with some additional material by Sam Chupp, David Key, George Neal. The developer on this was Bill Bridges, art direction by Richard Thomas, art by John Bridges, Jeff Rebner, Joshua Gabriel Timbrook, Dan Smith, and Kathleen Ryan. There are maps in this book, and the map person was Brian J. Bloom and Eric Hotz. The logo and back cover design was by Michelle Prawler and production assistance by Kathleen Ryan. So there are a lot of people involved in this and there's a huge list of special thanks folks going out. Just, I think it's interesting to note that if no one else cares about the special thanks, I won't really read them, but I think it's interesting to note when there's a large special thanks section, means there are a lot of people at least that uh, the writers were thinking about when they were writing the book. So this book is, is four chapters with an introduction and two appendices. Up front, this is one of the books that I've seen people either love or hate. There doesn't seem to be much middle ground between them, and I'm gonna try and weave that middle ground. Honestly, this isn't a book I love. The way it's set up is a little strange to me. Some of the elements in the book are a little odd. Art is great though, if you like RPG art from this era. So that's one thing that I would say if you're looking for some interesting Werewolf the Apocalypse art, this is a good place to go for it. But it's not, from a story standpoint, it's not the book that I would hold out as being one of the best Werewolf the Apocalypse books by any stretch of the imagination. So what is this book? This book is a presentation of a setting area of the Amazon, obviously 
it is specifically focused on the elements of the Amazon Amazon rainforest that are in Brazil. Uh, there are parts of the uh, Amazonian rainforest outside of Brazil. Specifically, everything here is Brazilian focused. And you're presented with history, you are presented with characters, and you're presented with lots of different story hooks, adventures, and different ways to run games in this setting if you would like to do so. Chapter one is history. The interesting part about the history presented here is it's not what I would say is linear. It jumps around a little bit in where it seems to fall history-wise. It obviously focuses on the movement of the Uktena into this area, but then mentions that there were already native pure ones here, which is problematic language because it seems like maybe they're indicating that there were Native Americans here, but it may also be referencing that there were other werewolves here already. And of course, the Balam, which are were jaguars, and the Macole, which are referenced as were crocodiles, are also known as were dinosaurs in other books, are in this region as well. What's strange, what's unclear, is like I said, this timeline doesn't make a ton of sense. There's a little bit of skipping around between Spanish invasion, between Technomancers arriving. It's sort of indicated that the Technomancers may have come around after the Spanish or during the Spanish invasion. Perhaps they're referencing a group that didn't exist yet in any books, which is the Order of Reason, but it's very unclear. There's a little bit of back and forth with the history that um, that hops around a lot. Mage and mages are kind of a big element of the story here and I believe this was either right after Mage had landed as a book or right before it was planning to come out so they wanted to tie it into that book. But it goes way too in depth into the Mage background here and then makes a connection with Black Furies in the Amazon. One of the key figures here though, because I'm kind of jumping all over the place, because the history jumps all over the place, is El Dorado. And El Dorado is a dream speaker mage, and he will be important when we talk about some of the stories in uh, later on elements of this book. We learn about Pentex, Pentex's involvement in the Amazon. We learn that they're trying to help the deforestation that's going on, some of the cattle farming, some of the issues that the Amazon is actually facing, was actually facing in the real world and is still facing in the real world today. We learn about Gogol Fangsfurst, who is a get of Fenris that has led a war against Pentext in the Amazon. I'll say, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later too, there's a lot of colonial sort of mentality in the way that the Geru act in general in the world of darkness. I would say it screams that in this particular book. There's almost no reference except from an antagonist standpoint of native peoples and their wants, desires, and needs in this particular location. They're secondary to what the European peoples and the European Garo in particular want. And that is a major focus of this story. And if you want to play with that, if that is a story that you would like to engage, that your players would like to engage colonialism and what that means today and whether it's still occurring and because it is still occurring, what that means to them and how they react to it. I think that can be interesting, but I don't think this book 
recognizes that element very much, and I don't think it really latches onto it in a really obvious way. Instead, it feels a bit much, a bit more like a giant dungeon crawl setup, and there's a lot of war here. Obviously, the major setting is that there's a war between Pentex and between the werewolves in the Amazon. And there are the outliers of the were jaguars and the Macaulay who are in conflict with both sides of that war. If that sounds like a lot to take in, it is because there's a lot of stuff here all over the place. There's uh, some history of some of the major battles that have happened, enough that if you wanted to, you could run these yourself as story hooks. There's information on playing Garu that have just come into this area. There's a, a, a chapter specifically for the geography of the Amazon, and it goes into Brazil in general a little bit. You've got information on different cairns here, and who controls the cairns. You have maps. This is a decent book for information, but the organization of the information is really difficult. Uh, it's difficult to figure out, okay, this is information about an antagonist. This is information about characters that I might want the players to interact with. And if I were looking at this today, I would say if we wanted to create a different version of Rage Across the Amazon, I would want it organized in a completely different way than it is set up here. There is some cool stuff here. There's some interesting information on the different Garu. I think the most interesting character here is Gogolfang's first. His write-up is interesting as a legend. I would use him at some point uh, for a game, but there's also a ton of characters in here that I don't really find very interesting. They're very one-dimensional. They don't have much except the war going for them, and I don't really know exactly how I would grab them and work them in. That said, there is one pack here that I want to specifically pull out, and that's the Ghost Raptor pack, which is all, all laid out. And I mention them particularly because there's a novel that ties into the Ghost Raptor pack, and that's called Breathe Deeply. And Breathe Deeply, as a novel, is really engaging. I really enjoyed it. It has some elements for folks that are interested in what LGBT relationships might look like in a werewolf setting, which I think is interesting, something that I was engaged by, and that was something that I was actually a little bit more interested in learning more about and hoped we would have some more here and how it might tie into that novel, but in the end it there's not enough really provided here for that and that's a bit of a shame because that would have been that would have been something engaging for me um, that said if you want to read some fiction that um, touches on the rage across the amazon world breathe deeply is a great book for that and you might actually want to run plots from that instead of focusing on some of what we're presented with in this particular book that said none of this is bad there are I say that just mostly because I don't want to crap on this book, but it doesn't really grab me. And I don't really know how to talk about it in a way that 
that shows that it could be useful because I'm sure for the right person this would be a, a great book to run different stories from. There are some corrupt, there's actually a corrupt Bastet which I think is interesting as a character but the write-up here doesn't do enough for me. There are a couple of Cole that are referenced, there's some information on them. Again, not enough to make me go, ooh, I want to run this. We get into chapter four, and chapter four are encounters. And these are different story hooks and story adventures that you could run players through. There's actually a section on Rio by Night, which ties into some vampire elements. And if that's what your players want to engage with, I think it's generally an interesting story, but again, it doesn't particularly grab me. It's not a story that I would run but it's a decent uh, setup for a story. Then you have In Dreams and Nightmares, and this story is by Jay Morrison, and this is the story that ties in El Dorado and Samuel Haight, and Samuel Haight at this point has already become a bit of an infamous character, and I would never run this story because it's terrible. Uh, unlike my kind of interest and acceptance in where Samuel Haight is in Falconberg Foundation. Samuel Haight in this story is way overpowered and he becomes even more crazily overpowered after this story. There are some interesting epic elements that you could dig into here and maybe pull out and use into another story, but the conflict between El Dorado, the pack, and ultimately Samuel Haight is just a background for Samuel Hates kind of NPC theater, and I'm not really engaged by that, I don't care. And Samuel Hate in the end, gets mage powers by using a weapon called the Conquistador Sword against Eldorado, and then he Deus Ex Machina out of the way. Literally, this is a Deus Ex Machina. From, uh, literally, <laughs> I don't know how to say it any other way. And it's terrible. Even if this is a story that I would be interested in running elements of, having it end like that would be so anticlimactically horrible for a group of werewolf players that I don't know what I would do with it. Uh, the two appendixes go through some different weapons and fetishes, and I think that is interesting. This is one of the first kind of deeper looks into some of those elements in a werewolf game, and obviously in a war you need to have some different weapons than you would in other sorts of werewolf games, so I think that's interesting and engaging. So that's basically been my review of Rage Across the Amazon. I'm not in love with this book. I know that some people are. If you enjoy Rage Across the Amazon, I totally respect that. It's not my book. It's not a book that I will be using. And I would, because of layout, because of material and information being so over the top or disconnected or just in totally odd sorts of ways, I would put this on one of the lowest levels of werewolf books for me, which is a shame because the concepts here are potentially intriguing. The idea of a war for a particular area that is in some ways relatively untouched by human influence is interesting, but there's a bit of a dismissal of the native peoples here. There's a bit of kind of overlooking them for the Garrus War, and again, that can be a really interesting story if your players are into it, but I'm not particularly engaged by Rage Across the Amazon. So I would say 3 out of 10 
at best for this book. There are some good elements here. There's some things that I would potentially pull out, which is why it gets a three. Otherwise, it would get whatever close to um, a one I could get. Then, of course, the art is actually good. So that gets it a point. So maybe it's a four out of ten with the good art in here. So this has been another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am your host, Josh Heath. As always, if you have any suggestions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out to me. You can email me or you can find me on Facebook. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you can find podcasts. You should be able to find us. This has been Werewolf the Podcast.